Welcome to the 52 Pearls Weekly Money Wisdom Podcast. I'm Melissa Joy, a certified financial planner and founder of Pearl Planning. And I'm Melissa Friedenberg, financial advisor with Pearl Planning. Pearl Planning is a financial planning and investment management company located in Dexter and Gross Point, Michigan. We work with clients all around the country. The purpose of our podcast is to explore specific financial topics and provide advice you can use in your everyday life. Welcome back to the 52 Pearls Weekly Money Wisdom Podcast. It's Melissa Joy here today, and I am so pleased to be joined by Brooke Kent. Brooke is the principal of Brooke Writes It and has spent the last two decades helping executives and professionals craft personalized, achievement-focused, marketable, persuasive, and visually appealing resumes and LinkedIn profiles. You can already hear the descriptive words coming out of Brooke's resume. Brooke began her communications career by interviewing several White House chiefs of staff for the White House Transition Project, a nonpartisan initiative that facilitated transition between President William J. Clinton and President George W. Bush. She later served as an executive writer for the director of Los Alamos National Laboratory and then launched her writing business. Brooke lives with her husband and three kids in Colorado Springs, where she enjoys baking, cooking, reading, cycling, hiking, skiing, snowboarding, snowshoeing, and visiting the U.S. national parks with 13 down and 49 to go. As we get this podcast started, I'll mention that I'm recording this from a screened-in porch. So if you hear the outdoor noises of a beautiful August day in Northern Michigan, it's not a fluke. And with that, Brooke, thanks for coming and welcome to the podcast. It's absolutely my pleasure, Melissa. Such a pleasure to be with you today. Well, we have an opportunity to talk about something that everybody needs at some point in their life, which is a way to put your best foot forward on paper and digitally in order to help enhance and manage your career. So we're talking resumes, we're talking LinkedIn profiles, and it's something that whether you love it or could leave it, you got to have it sometimes. Yeah, absolutely. I think, you know, whatever your um, situation is, and certainly we are in the midst of an unprecedented upheaval. You know, I've heard psychologists call this the great reshuffle, which is this moment in history when I think 54% of U.S. professional workers are considering a job change. And actually, if you look at it, I think um, about 20% of U.S. workers are no longer with the company that they were at prior to COVID-19. And so it really is a time of soul soul searching and determining, you know, what do I really want to do with my life, you know, as I go forward from here, because I think if the pandemic taught us anything, it is the value of this one, you know, wild, precious life we have. And how do we really want to spend it professionally? What do we want our legacy to be? And what do we want to do with ourselves in our career? So whether you're completely happy with where you're at, or whether you're considering a major career change, being able to tell your professional professional story in a really concise, clear, and powerful way, I think has huge benefits to everyone. Oh my gosh. I so agree. You, as a financial planner, when I work with people, especially because I often begin working with you mid-career, then your biggest asset is often not on your net worth statement. And then it's your human capital. It's your ability to earn money. And if we can couple that with a really rewarding career, something that makes a difference, or just something that's more satisfying, then um, it's, you know, it's always a win, but you got to get your foot in that door to begin with. 
Right. And having the ability to be able to communicate that human capital, what we bring in terms of our talent, skills, achievements, and accomplishments to other people is really, like you said, what helps us monetize that human capital out there in the world, whether it's actually being paid, what you're worth at your current employer, or finding that next great opportunity that's really that next step up the professional ladder. So like you said, you know, we should not underestimate the power of our human capital. And the way that we really bring that to the table is by being able to share that story of our human capital in a way that really connects with hiring managers, recruiters, current clients, potential clients, you know, you name it, being able to share that story with others. I love that you keep mentioning story because what I've learned as a business owner who needed to tell our business story is that storytelling is different than just putting a bunch of facts or big numbers or, you know, accomplishments. I climbed this mountain on a list. So a storytelling is so, so much more. And I know that you're going to help us and people leave listening to this, having a few extra nuggets of how to tell their story. Um, But I want to start with mindset. And I know some people are very comfortable talking about themselves, but others don't want to bring attention to themselves. And when it comes to the need to put yourself out into the job market, that could be a hurdle or a challenge. So how do you get in the right mindset first to put yourself out there professionally? Well, I would say that one thing that sounds a little bit counterintuitive, but that I would challenge each of your listeners to do is to really change your mindset and realize that being able to share your professional story is not about you right? Which is where a lot of us get hung up because it feels like we're bragging on ourselves or really tooting our own horn. But what this is really about is about your audience, right? And so who is your audience? It is recruiters, hiring managers, current clients, potential clients, your professional network. And so what do we need to be able to do to effectively share your professional story with that audience? We need to remember that your audience only has one question, that matters to them. And that is this question. It is what's in this for me, right? How is Melissa going to make my life easier or better, right? If I hire her, if I work with her as a client, right? And how do we answer that question? What's in this for me? How is Melissa going to make my life easier or better? We do that by really being able to describe in detail quantifiable, measurable accomplishments of what you've been able to do in the past, because then people are able to connect the dots and visualize what you can achieve or accomplished for them in the future. And I will say that this is an area that I'm really passionate about as a professional resume and LinkedIn profile writer, because probably 95% of the profiles that I see on LinkedIn make the same mistake. And that is that they are responsibility focused rather than results focused. And so what do I mean by that? You know, probably 95% of the profiles on LinkedIn are centered around responsibilities, right? Like I was responsible for managing a team of X number of people, or I was responsible for overseeing procurement, or I was responsible for overseeing manufacturing or whatever. But as your audience, as the hiring manager, the recruiter, the current or potential client, that tells me nothing about the quality of your work. Like, were you terrible at it? Were you mediocre at it? Were you a rock? start at it, right? Because anyone can list those same responsibilities, but unless I know something about the results that you've achieved, you haven't answered my question of what's in it for me? How is Melissa going to make my life easier or better? And so, you know, just think about it in terms of two resumes that might cross your desk as like a recruiter or hiring manager, you know, put yourself in their shoes and say one resume said something like, I was responsible for overseeing employee productivity, right? 
And then say the other resume said, I created and tracked five productivity benchmarks so that I could monitor, manage, and coach a team of 114 employees on how to be more productive. And by doing that, we increased employee productivity by 7% year over year. Like which one of those would you rather interview and hire, right? Number two, hands down, I, I, and I hear what you're saying. I can see what they did. So then I'm already thinking ahead on what I could ask them to do. Right. And so that's kind of the approach that I bring to this is we need to be able to tell your story in a way that connects with your audience. And the way to do that is by being able to really help them visualize how will having you in their life make their lives easier or better. And the way to do that is by being able to share quantifiable, measurable achievements or accomplishments. That's great. Um, I love it. So it sounds to me too, though, that you should probably be collecting those achievements and accomplishments along the way, instead of, you know, kind of starting from scratch on the day you start a job search. (laughs) How do you recreate history? (laughs) You know, you run into this all the time, right? In financial planning or retirement planning, like Ideally, there's a set of things that we should all do the instant we graduate from college at 22. Do we all do those things right at 22? Probably no. (laughs) And so there's lots of ways to work backwards from that, you know, and so as we dive into talking about resumes, let me tell you, you know, some ways that I would suggest brainstorming about what those quantifiable metrics would be. You know, the first thing is, you know, as you're bringing brainstorming, you know, what quantifiable metrics would be for your current position, for your past position, look back through your old performance appraisals, right? Are there nuggets there that would give you insight into what you were able to achieve and accomplish? Because you may have written down something there, your boss may have noticed something there that may jog your memory about what a metric would be. Also, you know, a lot of us keep um, kind of what I call the praise file in our email folder or an actual hard copy that we look at on days when we're struggling or having a bad day. And those are kind of those complimentary emails from your boss, from your coworkers, from your clients, like saying, oh, you know, Melissa, you did a great job at XYZ project. And if you look through that, it may also jog your memory of great things that you've been able to achieve or accomplish. And then the last thing, you know, if you work in a company that puts together an annual report, that's kind of highlighting it key initiatives and accomplishments for the year, actually read through that because it's surprising how many of us never actually do that. And think, you know, which of those initiatives was I contributing towards? Are there nuggets here that maybe I was part of this bigger picture that I never actually knew the metrics for? You know, and what of those, you know, could I bring in as I'm trying to think about how to quantify, you know, what I've been able to achieve and accomplish? Yeah, that makes sense. And I I love that you're you're giving three points right off the bat. Okay. Look back on the calendar, see what you were working on, see what you accomplished, look back in your emails. Um, so that's very helpful. So, so you mentioned LinkedIn and I agreed before the, um, our recording that you could do a deep dive and tell me all the warts that are in my LinkedIn profile. Um, and so I think this is, you know, important for people to be able to hear not just theoretically what you could do, but what would you suggest I change in my LinkedIn profile? Um, which is Melissa joy, um, Melissa enjoy Melissa enjoy is my, (laughs) yep. When, if you need to get there. Um, so tell me how I can improve it. Yeah. And so I think, you know, first of all, you know, thank you, Melissa, for being um, open enough to let me be able to do this. Um, It's so kind of you to let me do this. So um, if, 
as you're listening, if you pull up Melissa's profile on LinkedIn, which as Melissa said, is at the URL, Melissa and Joy, um, here are a few, you know, suggestions that I would give Melissa, and then that'll help you brainstorm, you know, what might I like to improve, change, edit, update on my own LinkedIn profile. Okay, so number one, I would suggest, just like we were talking about, Melissa, that you brainstorm which quantifiable metrics you can share. And I know that you're in a unique position because as a certified financial planner, as a financial fiduciary, I know that you're limited in what types of details you can share, right? I'm regulated. So I have to sound like a weird person sometimes in the way I share things. I know that you're operating (laughs) in a regulated industry. And obviously you can't promise future financial results to clients. So obviously you're operating within constraints, but let me give you examples of how, if I was working with you as a client, how I would suggest brainstorming that. Okay. So first of all, can you share any metrics about the scope of your practice? For instance, like I partner with high net worth individuals and families across X number of states, right? Because I know you work with clients from coast to coast, but how many states are actually within that? Is it all 50? Great. You know, is it 33? I don't know what the number is. It's 20 something. I'll have to recount and see, but yeah. Okay, so that would be a metric. Mm -hmm. You could say since launching Pearl Planning in 2018, grew number of clients by X percent, right? Because you're demonstrating kind of that positive track record and being able to attract, you know, clients to the thing. And that's probably something that within your regulatory constraints, you could share about, you know, growing the number of clients. Okay. Um, If you do annual surveys of your clients, which I imagine you might because you really care about, you know, how is this experience for them? You know, what is going well? What can we improve? So if you're doing those types of annual surveys, like here's some questions or metrics that could come out of those. You know, you could say something like X percent of our clients felt that their investments aligned with their core values, because I know that's very important to you and your approach. Mm -hmm. You could say X percent of our clients felt better educated about how their financial plans could help them reach their life goals, because I know that's also critical to you. You could say X percent of clients felt less stressed and better supported during major financial transitions like getting divorced, losing a spouse, selling a business, or retiring. So that's kind of how, like just off the bat, I would suggest starting to brainstorm what are some ways that I can try and give people a sense of the scope and nature of what I've been able to achieve and accomplish. Okay, so initial question. Okay. Okay. So then second, I would suggest that you really build out your summary section, which is that part underneath your headshot and above the experience section. So for instance, within your existing summary section, I did not realize that you had been a financial planner for 22 years until I did the math myself in your experience section. Okay, so that's one thing. Um, Second, I did not realize that you were a certified divorce financial analyst until I saw that on your website, since it wasn't mentioned in the summary section of LinkedIn. And so here's something, you know, here's a way you could think about, you know, doing that introductory paragraph on that summary section. You could say something like, as a certified financial planner and a certified divorce financial analyst, I have spent 22 years helping my clients meet their life goals. I work with high net worth individuals and families across X number of states, and I have extensive experience in multi-generational, location agnostic financial planning for women, families, and executives, as well as divorce financial planning, retirement planning, investment management, and environmental social governance, right? So that could be like your introductory paragraph. And then after that paragraph, I would suggest having a highlights paragraph and underneath the word highlights, you could have three bullet points listing key accomplishments, right? And those might be things that I read about on your website, but not, did not see on your current LinkedIn profile, like selected for 2017 and 2018 working mother magazine and shook research top wealth advisor moms list. 
featured in the Wall Street Journal, as well as the Chicago Tribune, Financial Advisor Magazine, Financial Planning Magazine, et cetera, et cetera. Educate current and prospective clients through 109 plus blog posts and 77 plus podcast episodes and help X percent of our current clients feel better informed about how their financial plans can help them reach their life goals. You know, and so, you know, you kind of have that lead in summary paragraph kind of um, not only giving people an overview of, you know, who you are, what your credentials are, what you have extensive experience in, but also hitting all of those relevant keywords. Because I imagine that like most of us in the professional sphere, you have clients find you through LinkedIn, right? And so in order to have them find you organically, if they're searching for certified diverse financial analyst or, you know, something else, you know, you need to be able to hit those keywords. And then second, give them that bulleted high point list that really piques their interest and then has them dive into the rest of your profile. Um, okay, so questions there, Melissa. Any questions so far as uh, like, does that make sense? How does that sound to you? You know, um, my first question is, can I hire you for a client survey? <laughs> <laughs> and second, I love it. I mean, I can totally see. And oh, by the way, just as a plug for Brooke, you do do both resume writing services as well as LinkedIn profile update. Yeah, and in fact, 99% of my clients hire me to do both, right? Because in today's world, 95% of recruiters use LinkedIn as their primary vehicle. And LinkedIn is really all of our electronic billboards, right? And having a strong LinkedIn profile makes it 40 times more likely that you'll land a new opportunity, right? So really being able to present that polished professional face to the world is so impactful. Yeah. And I, I mean, I just last week was talking with a friend. I sent them a potential job mm -hmm. candidate. And they were like, well, do you have her resume? And I was like, no, but here's her LinkedIn profile. What else do you need? Um, yeah. Because it was really well written and, and yeah. told a good, great story. Um, and so let me give you bonus credit ideas for your LinkedIn profile. Great. because These may also be helpful to your listeners. Okay. Use your car to lap the competition. And by car, I mean content, attachments, and recommendations. So content. You could use LinkedIn's publishing platform to establish yourself as a thought leader in the field, right? You have written 109 blog posts, so why not publish them on LinkedIn? And it's really easy to do that. You know, not only does that get you a broader audience, but it will bump you up significantly within LinkedIn's search algorithm because it will flag your profile as a richer one, right? And so for anyone listening to write an article on LinkedIn's publishing platform, you just go to the LinkedIn homepage and then under start a post, click on write an article, right? And so you could easily copy and paste your blog posts and also, you know, cross publish them on LinkedIn. Um, second attachments. You can add attachments to two areas of your LinkedIn profile. First, underneath each position on your experience section. And second, you can select a certain number um, for that quote featured section of your profile, which is um, underneath the summary and above the experience. And so, you know, were you featured in an article in the Wall Street Journal? Did you appear on a podcast? Did you author a white paper? You can link all of those items up as attachments and attachments can be um, video links. They can be um, JPEG or PNG files. They can be PDFs, you know, you can link up a variety of, you know, file types. Um, and then last, recommendations. You know, when others recommend you on LinkedIn, it really validates the depth and the breadth of your skills and your connections. And so don't hesitate to ask for a recommendation from trusted mentors or colleagues or clients. And if you want to proactively do that, you just need to scroll down to the bottom of your LinkedIn profile and then next to recommendations, click on ask for a recommendation and finally fill in the name of the person you're connected to that you want to ask for a recommendation from. And then note, you know, 
know, it's very important to personalize the default wording there, you know, and so instead of whatever the default wording is, you can write a brief note that says, you know, would you be willing to write a one or two sentence recommendation for me regarding my experience with X, you know, and for X insert a specific skill or project or milestone that that person worked with you on, because then instead of them having to from scratch come up with what they should recommend you based on, you've kind of made it a lot easier for them to do because you've narrowed it from the whole universe of things they could say down to, you know, could you talk about this one particular thing and write a recommendation for me? And so not only will that help people have the warm fuzzies, you know, about you as a credible professional, but it also bumps you up within LinkedIn search algorithm based on the number and the recency of your recommendations. That's fantastic. I have to say that in the world of financial advisors, we've been prohibited from recommendations often in the past because of the, um, you're not allowed to basically receive endorsements, but that has changed. So the SEC rules have changed. Just um, the official rules are supposedly forthcoming. So um, so don't hold it against your financial advisor if you don't <laughs> see recommendations, but also for the rest of you who don't have the same <laughs> restrictions, um, I think that's fantastic. And I think mm-hmm. that it would be exceptional to be able to have you know, the context, that's kind of the modern, you know, um, reference yes. in, in a way. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So um, that very helpful, very specific. Is there anything else people should keep in mind on LinkedIn? I know not everybody loves the platform. For me, it's, it's, <laughs> it's a place that I feel comfortable with. I've been able right. to tell the story of financial planning and my mm-hmm. services and yeah. people have felt comfortable to reach out to me after that. So I, right. I don't hate LinkedIn. Yes. I would encourage everyone to give LinkedIn a chance, you know, because it is so much the professional currency of our modern world, right? It is your electronic billboard to the world. And so, you know, just consider it as if you were taking out a billboard to advertise your professionalism to your town, you know, what story would you be wanting to share there? And then you're being able to leverage that for a global audience. As far as a few specific tips, you know, let me give you a few of those. You know, one thing is, you know, customize your LinkedIn URL because LinkedIn will automatically generate one for you that has a lot of numbers at the end. And so customize it to eliminate those. And you may need to insert a middle name or a middle initial like Melissa did where it's Melissa and Joy to find a unique one. And to customize that, just click on edit your public profile and URL and then follow the steps from there. Um, Second, make sure that you are including a headshot and be sure that your headshot conveys that you are competent, likable, and professional. Because just having a headshot on your profile will increase your profile views by something like 21 times, right? And so if you don't have a headshot, you know, how can you fix that? You know, ask a trusted friend, search your local Facebook group for a photographer, for best lighting, schedule your photo in the golden hour, you know, an hour after sunrise, an hour before sunset, you know, just get a headshot on there, you know, so that you can increase the number of views of your profile. And then, you know, third, don't neglect to fill out that summary section. That's where so many people kind of get writer's block and stop. But by having that, LinkedIn will promote you to what it calls its all-star status. And that will increase your profile views tremendously because it will bump you up significantly within the search algorithm. And then, you know, last, 
don't neglect to fill out the skills section at the bottom because if you will list at least five relevant skills, it will increase your messages from recruiters by 31 times because they are searching LinkedIn for people based on those skills. And so even if you're not actively looking for something, wouldn't we all like to know if a recruiter just happened to be doing a search for our dream job and they reached out and they're like, hey, Melissa, I was doing this search and you popped up and I would just love to have just kind of an exploratory conversation. I think none of us would ever turn down that type of conversation. So make sure you've listed enough skills there that you're popping up in those searches. Great. Um, I love that. And lots, I mean, I hope people are taking notes because you can always <laughs> play it back. Um, there's so much packed in. Uh, this is really just um, like, let's roll up our sleeves and get things done. So Brooke, I'm loving it. Now, I know we're, we've been focusing on the new world of LinkedIn, but I think that, you know, whether paper or PDF, resumes definitely exist out there. How do you get somebody's attention for, you know, your resume to stick out in a pile of PDFs? Yes. So I think, you know, from a 2018 study that they did of, you know, recruiters and hiring managers over a 10 week period, they found that on average, your resume has 7.4 seconds to capture someone's attention. And let me just put that in perspective, 7.4 seconds, you know, for those of us who loved watching the Olympics, Usain Bolt took longer than that to run the 100 meters, right? So your resume really does not have much time to capture someone's attention while they're reading it. So how do we do that? First of all, remember that the reader's eyes in these eye tracking studies are moving in what they call an F or an E pattern. So that means that you need a really clear, simple layout with a lot of white space, clear section headers, and bold job titles to draw their eye into the resume. Second, you need to pick a really readable font. I like sans serif fonts like Cal Calibri, but Futura, Lato, at Open Sands for data also will work. And then most importantly, for each position, you need to have a bulleted list of accomplishments, ideally in short declarative sentences, right? Like, you know, partner with high net worth individuals and families across 22 states, you know, a nice short declarative sentence. You are writing a resume, not a novel, you know, so avoid lengthy paragraphs because the reader is never actually going to read those. You know, I want to also tell you a few things not to do. This is controversial, but I recommend that you not have an objective header at the top of your resume because in eye tracking studies, recruiters and hiring managers will not read them. And so why risk conveying key information there if recruiters and hiring managers are never going to look at it? You know, and then second, do not include a profile picture, sidebars, graphs, charts, multiple columns, calls to action, because those increase cognitive load, visual complexity, recruiters rank them as 55% harder to read, and they will waste 19% of their time looking at a picture without actually reading your accomplishments. So do not include those things. And then finally, do not stuff keywords willy-nilly into your resume. You know, they need to make sense. An actual person is reading your resume, so do these words make sense within that? And then let me mention one other thing. Do not feel constrained to just one page. I know so many of us have heard that, but in a study of over 7,000 resumes, they found that recruiters are 2.3 times more likely to hire candidates with a two-page resume versus a one-page one. And why is that? Because the extra space gives you the space to actually detail what you've been able to achieve and accomplish. You know, And so if you've heard that you need to condense your resume down to a single page, unless you are just graduating from college, you know, disregard that, use the extra space to really be able to convey your professional story. And then, you know, last a few 
quick tips, you know, make it easy for me as the recruiter, the hiring manager to get in touch with you. You know, don't bury your phone number, your email address, your LinkedIn URL, and make that LinkedIn URL an actual link so I can click on it within your resume. Um, obviously, you know, do those bullet pointed lists of the quantifiable metrics like we've talked about. Oh, and then finally, end your resume with two key sections. One is skills. List those hard and scoff skills. Like what languages are you coding in? What software are you using? What are your key functional skills, whether that's budgeting, financial forecasting, cross-functional team leadership? I mean, whatever they are, list them because then you're hitting those relevant words in an organic way. And second, outside interests. Have a little point at the end where you're listing a few things that make you a real person to me. Like, um, do you do a charcoal drawing every day? Have you snowboarded for each of the last 24 months? Are you raising heritage chickens? Because not only does that let me see you as a person and not just another paper in my pile, but it helps me remember you where I'm like, oh yeah, the heritage chicken girl, I really liked her. Let me pull up her resume. Do that in order to stand out from this giant pile that, as Melissa said, you know, every recruiter and hiring manager is dealing with. I love it. I I agree. You have to show yourself as a human. You want to feel you're going to be working together. And I know it works on both sides. Like you want to see the humanity of the the interviewer too, the person that's sitting down across from you. And I, I guess that's where I we just we just have a little more time, but I want to kind of extend the conversation just a little bit more than I would because um, so far I'm just like grabbing nuggets that I, I want to share with friends that are in the job market, et cetera. So you, you've got the best resume, your LinkedIn presence is on, on point and the job market right now seems to be on fire. So you're, you're getting into, you know, the, the office and interviewing or the zoom room and as it is today. Now, an interview, unless you're a professional job changer, is not something that you like kind of practice every year. And so tell me, how do you deal with that? I know that you're helping people kind of get through that part of the process because you know that your your help is going to get them through the door. How yeah. do people prepare for that interview? Right. And actually, you know, as you said, Melissa, that interview coaching is a key service that I offer clients because I think they've said that 74% of people lose sleep over being interviewed and a third of people would rather go to the dentist or the doctor than go on an interview. (laughs) I'd rather go on an interview, but (laughs) I work for myself, so so maybe not. (laughs) Given how much anxiety, fear, trepidation an interview can produce, even in, like you said, in Melissa, in a job market that's very, very favorable to job seekers. You know, here are a few tips. Number one, reframe how you are seeing the interview, right? Because um, instead of seeing it as a do or die ordeal, what would happen if you reframed the interview as just a conversation about possibilities, right? You may not get this job and that's okay. And like, I want to say that again, for anyone who is job searching or who knows someone who is, you may not get this job and that is okay. And so go into the interview just thinking, this is just a conversation about possibilities and you will feel less nervous, more relaxed, more able to discern whether this job is even the right fit for you. And then second, you need to connect with the interviewer, right? As Melissa said, we are all people and there are two rules in hiring. Rule number one is people hire people they like. And rule number two is reread rule number one, right? And so you need to be able to convey two things, warmth. Do I like you as a person? And competence, do I believe that you are good at what you do, right? And in order to be hired, you need to hit that sweet spot of warmth, 
plus competence, right? And so um, you need to observe the interviewer's body language, even if that's over Zoom, and mirror it back. You need to use empathy and friendliness to build rapport. You need to not be afraid to be a real person. You know, share your personality, your outside interests, what makes you unique and special and not just a name on a page. And then make sure that, and I know this is superficial, but it is very real. Make sure that your outfit matches whatever the company's culture, formality, overall vibe is, right? Because you are going to dress differently if you're you're interviewing as a job, you know, as an investment banker on Wall Street versus if you're interviewing at a West Coast tech startup, right? And so make sure that you're matching kind of your outward appearance to what that company vibe is. And then, you know, next, brainstorm three or five stories that you could share from your experience that would help answer those interview questions that start with, tell me about a time when right? Tell me it about a time when you, um, you know, rose to meet a challenge. Tell me it about a time when you had to help a team work together. You know, tell me it about a time when, like all those tell me about a time when, brainstorm in advance some stories that you could share and then think through how you can share those, right? And I coach my clients, use the STAR framework to frame that story. So S stands for scene, like set the scene. Think of yourself as the movie director, pull back, set the scene for me. What was going on? T, trouble. What was the challenge or the problem that you were dealing with? A, accomplishments. You know, what did you achieve or accomplish as the hero of the story? And then R, results. Like how were things different at the end of the story because of what you as the hero had done? And then last, really be able to answer that question, how can you help solve the problem that is keeping the interviewer up at night? Because I guarantee if you can proactively answer that question and show how hiring you can help solve the problem that's keeping them up at night, then you will get hired, right? And so how do you answer that question? You know, research the interviewer, check them out on Facebook, Google, LinkedIn. Don't forget to search for any publicly available news articles or company presentations or whatever. And then second, research Research the company. You know, this really helps you understand, is this a place where I even want to work? And remember that if the company is publicly traded, you have access to a gold mine of information, which, you know, just the top 0.016% of job seekers will even look at. And that is kind of the publicly available financial filings, investor presentations, quarterly conference calls. Really dive into those and look at, you know, what is this company's vision for its future? What is the company's strategy to get there? What are its big challenges? How can I help solve those challenges and really be able to address what is keeping this hiring manager up at night? Yeah, I it shows motivation too, and mm-hmm. just your ability to go above and beyond right. expectations when you've done your homework and yes. you know looked and and mm-hmm. um, to see what's out there and demonstrate familiarity. You don't have to feel like you're a stalker. Show off your show off your pre work. <laughs> yes, it would be a little weird if I was like, "Oh, Melissa, I looked your house up on Zillow." Like that's <laughs> but it's definitely professional, like you said, to be like, "Oh, you know, I so enjoyed what you said in your Wall Street Journal, you know, article about X, Y, Z." And you know, as your team addresses that challenge overall in the industry or within, you know, whatever women business owners who are retiring, wondering what to do with their wealth, you know, here are some ways that I could see myself being able to help the team as it's addressing that challenge or whatever that is. Well, I know we need to wrap up, but before we get to um, where to find Brooke, I want to make sure for the people that are looking for their dream job, or maybe they, you know, need to find a new job, any last hacks that you can suggest to make the search easier and more um, successful? Yes. Okay. So three quick tips. One is 
detach your sense of self-worth from whether or not you get a particular position, right? Because you are a valuable, special person, whether or not you get this job. So don't let your sense of self-worth hinge on whether or not you get this. You know, let me throw a few numbers out. Statistically, 250 people will apply for each job opening. Only four to six will be interviewed. Only one will get hired. If you don't get the job, then 99.6% of other people also didn't get it, right? And so you are still valuable and special, whether or not you get this job. That also reminds you that you need to keep a lot of arrows in your quiver. You know, statistically, the most successful job Job candidates will apply for 10 to 15 positions each week. So make a plan in order to do that. And that brings me to my second thought, you know, make a strategic plan for your job search, just like you would sit down with Melissa to make a strategic plan for your finances or your retirement. You really need to treat this job search as the investment that it is, right? And so sit down and make a strategic plan for, you know, what do I want my job search to look like? Break it down into quantifiable, achievable steps that you really need to do to get your yourself from point A to point B. And um, I'll have Melissa link up into the show notes. I have a sample weekly plan that you can do that kind of walks you through like, what would I need to do each week in order to have a successful job search? And then last, like your mother or your grandmother probably told you, send a thank you note after the interview. You know, if they take the time to speak with you, then take the time to thank them. And I always suggest do that by email and snail mail, right? Because it may be the one piece of actual mail they get that is not a bill or a solicitation. And personalize the thank you note. Say, I really enjoyed the chance to chat with you and so-and-so, so-and-so, and so-and-so. Or I especially valued what you said about X. Or as you seek to insert company goal here, I would love to be part of your team and show that you're really engaged with and interested in that particular company. And, you know, just as an aside, if you don't have high quality thank you notes, go ahead and invest in those and have those in hand in your stationery or in your desk. Train note cards on Amazon, 10 for $17. And that's just a great thing to have on hand. Um, Last, you know, as a writer, I would encourage each person who's listening today, this is your chance to tell your story. And so have fun as you're telling it. Be the author of your own life and really be able to write the story that you want to live out in the future. And what I would say as someone who has the opportunity and really the great fortune to work with people over their careers is maintain and manage your career. Don't just coast. You know, if you when you seize opportunities, just like you're describing, Brooke, it it can enhance your quality of life. And so don't look at it as a chore. Look at the work that you're describing, Brooke, as a bridge to possibilities for the future. I think that's so important. Um, so as we wrap up, where can people find you and um, what other resources might you have available for people? Oh, of course. Well, um, Melissa, once again, it's been such a pleasure to be with you today. So everyone can find me around the web, my website at brookwritesit.com. That's Brooke with an E, writesit.com. You can find me at Facebook at brookwritesit or on LinkedIn at Brooke. L. Kent. Um, On my website, under the webinars tab at brookwritesit.com, you can find free videos, articles, infographics, other resources on topics like how do I make a strategic plan for my job search? How can I improve my LinkedIn profile? How can I have a more effective interview? If I'm job searching, how can I manage that stress and deal with rejection in a healthy way? And of course, if any of your listeners have any questions, I always want to be able to help as a resource. So please feel free to shoot me any of those questions that they might have. I love it. Yes, we will do that. And your services are listed there. So I encourage people who have found value in this conversation like me um, to reach out if you need help. 
Well, thank you so much, Melissa. It's been such a pleasure to be with you and your listeners today. And I wish each one of you the very best, like Melissa said, as you are building that bridge to future possibilities and being the author of your own life. Thanks so much for joining us. I appreciate your time. Thank you, Melissa. You can access our first two seasons of this podcast on our website at www.pearlplan.com or on Spotify. If you're interested in learning more about Pearl Planning, feel free to sign up for our newsletter also found on our website.